There are many ways people listen to Vision, including DAB Plus Digital Radio. If you're in Greater Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane and have a digital radio receiver in your car or home, you'll find Vision Christian Radio on the station list. If you're visiting one of these cities and hiring a car, there's a good chance it will have a DAB receiver and you'll be able to enjoy vision with exceptional sound quality while you drive around. If you don't already own a DAB receiver, you'll find many models, including clock radios at electronic retailers for under $100. To find out more about vision on digital radio and whether you're within the broadcast footprint, see vision.org.au slash DAB. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I was in Service Paradise and in the back areas of Service Paradise, there was this new Thai restaurant that I'd heard about. You, No one would go to it because it was down the alleyway, but I heard it was fantastic food. Uh, the Thai chef came out couldn't speak hardly English but he had the front cover of the Gold Coast Bulletin where my face was and he asked me to sign it and that's when reality really hit for me you know I walked out walked up to Cavill Avenue in the middle of Cavill Avenue I fell on the floor and had a nervous breakdown at 20 years of age and mm. crying like a baby G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to the story. Well, when Mark Huyavar was only 20 years old, he went to Germany to compete in the Chef Olympics and became a world champion, winning three gold medals. But at the height of his culinary success, instead of feeling on top of the world, he soon started to feel empty inside and began to wonder what life was all about. Today, we'll hear Mark's story and we'll find out how he finally found true fulfilment. He's chatting with Phil Edwards. So take us back to the beginning in, yep. in Canberra. Yeah. What was your family situation? Well, my family was uh, my dad and my mum. So they came out from Germany. Uh, my dad escaped through Checkpoint Charlie when the wall was still up in, in East Germany there. He was wow. smuggled out in the back of a Mustang. He'd make a great movie, you know. Um, and he met my mum in the West and then they you know, immigrated out to Australia in 1969. I was born in 1970. And so um, – so your, you know, your family her- heritage, Cuyava? Yeah, Cuyava is actually Polish. Right. It's Polish. Um, my dad's mum married a Polish man just after the Second World War there. Okay. So, so um, yeah, it's mostly Polish. I haven't met any of my Polish family, but they're the ones that, that love it. You know, they always write letters and say to my dad, you must be so proud to have a priest in the house. You know <laughs> what I mean? And it's funny because my dad, when he was, you know, when he was younger, the local priest from the Catholic Church came and thought, because my dad's 14 brothers and two sisters in his family, and the priest came in and said, look, he felt that the hand of God was on my dad to become a priest. And dad said, no, 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 I won't do it. So it jumped a generation, you know, and here yeah, I am. Okay. I, I tell it to my dad, well, at least I answered the call, dad. You know, um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so born in Canberra. My dad's a chef by trade as well. Um, we go back in history, bakers and chefs and that. Uh, we used to have a bakery back in Germany and all that kind of stuff. And then my dad moved into TAFE Colleges. So he brought TAFE College to Queensland and started TAFE Colleging up here and then was the Director of Hospitality and Tourism on the Gold Coast. That's how we found ourselves up here. Okay. So how old were you when you moved to the Gold Coast? Five years of age. Okay. So the the, the earliest I can remember is some, you know, um, World Cup soccer final, Germany versus Argentina and Germany won or something. You know, that's the earliest in Canberra. I can sort of remember a few things here and there, but not much. And no doubt it was cold at the time. Man, it was cold. We used to have a mini, a mini that you'd have to pump the the choke to even get it started, and <laughs> and frozen on the on the front screen. And um, I don't know if you know the the um, political 
um, journalist Laurie Oakes. Yes. Remember, yeah. Laurie Oakes, Canberra. Well, he bought our house in Canberra. <coughs> oh, so really? Okay. Well, your <laughs> he, still claim li- to fame. he still lives there today. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Um, okay, so you ended up on the Gold Coast, yep. and and you then immersed yourself over some period mm-hmm. into the surf culture, didn't yes. you? Yes, yeah, good. It was one of those things. I used to do a lot of tennis, and then I thought, man, I'm not going to thrash it on the tennis court in the heat in Queensland. So I mate said, let's go surfing. So we <laughs> we we did what every other young teenager likes to do, and not do what their parents say. And so we got up early one morning and and went surfing, and I just got hooked, absolutely hooked. And um, so that was my early teens. We ended up actually moving into surface paradise as a family um we rented out our house this is when dad was at, at, at tafe in hebe street in benoa which is sort of central of the gold coast starting that whole big complex there and um and on the side of it we were night managers of a hotel in surface paradise right and we had a free accommodation look after and look after the restaurant and so dad was doing both at the same time that's how they paid the house off and so dad would leave at like you know six thirty seven in the morning get home like it six o'clock in the afternoon so you could go and, and do what you yeah, wanted <laughs> and so i had mates ring me up ask for the surf report and so we were right across the beach and that's just how i got cooked and at those days they only did the roll call at, at school at two o'clock in the afternoon so oh, i convenient. used to do my surfing and then cruise into school <laughs> <laughs> that's how it was so i got hooked on that big time but that that led you down a, an interesting path yeah. didn't it yeah it, it it totally did and it it's it's that you know i don't know miss free kind of attitude in life you know my dad was really concerned about me i was in year 10 i think it was and he said what do you want to be and i said i want to be a sandologist which is a studier of the beach you know and there's not even a real <laughs> trade for that but him being director of hospitality and tourism the gold coast has a son who just goes surfing all the time and led into drugs and bits and pieces as as the surfing culture did he took me to an occupational psychologist and um that was through the ces i think it used to be called years ago which was the job agency and um and the the guy brought me into a room i did the old round pegs into square holes and did that whole you know analysis and testing and so on like that to see if i had some brains and smarts in between my ears and uh, and then he took me to a room where there was this hundreds of d of videos of jobs five minute snippets of jobs and so i sat in there for an hour and a half and i came out with two one was surfboard making and the other one was chefing okay and so i tried surfboard making didn't like the fiberglassing it was too itchy and then um started then cooking a little bit more with dad and then job at mcdonald's and then from there led me into an apprenticeship at jupiter's or now it's called star casinos and um um, and from there, it just opened up. My career opened up, and you know, I went from I did okay at school, but I just did enough to pass. But I went from that to the f- probably still one of the only students ever to go through three blocks of college in Queensland, getting hundred percent wow. on all practical and theory. No one's ever done that before, you know. And that just started my whole career. Yeah. But just filling the blanks here, how did yeah. you end up? You ended up winning a world championship yeah. competition of chefing. So this is. I'm thinking of those cooking shows where you uh, you have like Iron Chef and that kind Correct. of thing. Is that the kind of concept? Correct. Yeah, it's a stadium kind of situation. Majority of the time you walk into some of these competitions and it's called a magic box or black box and you come in and you open it up and there are these items and you've got to make two-course dinner out of it in so much time and, and you do that. You know, Kind of like MasterChef but you yeah, know, on steroids. Yeah, and, th- and this is way before all that stuff ever was on TV, even before Jamie Oliver was on TV or anything like that, you know. So, yeah, so for me I sort of – Fell into into cooking. My obviously, my my dad was a chef. I got a picture of him holding me as a baby with a chef's hat on, and he's got a chef's hat on. And um, I just, I found something that I like with me. I love life. I love doing things. So that's why when I do it, I'll do it with all passion. So I actually really started enjoy cooking. Found that I'm 
I'm, I was good at it. And so in, in the industry trade there, they, you have different kind of competitions you can do, like local, state, national competitions. And so I started entering these competitions and I started winning them all. And um, I won the Australian Chefs Championship, well, it's Apprentice Chef Championship, and then I was selected for the Australian Apprentice uh, Olympic team to go over to Luxembourg and compete over there. And I went over there and w- I won three gold medals. So I ended mm. up coming back. Uh, to Australia. This was when I was uh, 20 years of age. I was living outside of home at that stage. I came back after that competition and I was greeted at Brisbane Airport with all the uh, TV, Channel 9, Channel 7, yep. everything was there. Red carpet was off the aeroplane, the whole deal, limos, everything. Uh, hey, world champion chef, you know, in Australia, apprentice, and took me back to the hotel. From then on, I sort of, at that stage, I was surfing, doing a little bit of drugs here and there, but, you know, it was mostly just marijuana, things like that. So it was, it was, wasn't real addictive stuff, but I was functioning quite well. One day, it was about three or four months after I came back, you know, um, I was in every newspaper, Gold Coast Bulletin, front pages, all that kind of stuff all the time. So celebrity had sort of hit that little bit, if you could look at it that way. Mm. And I was in Service Paradise, and in the back areas of Service Paradise, there was this new Thai restaurant that I'd heard about. You, No one would go to it because it was down the alleyway, but I heard it was fantastic food. So I went down there, you know, and sat in this little dingy place and had some fantastic Thai food. Uh, the Thai chef came out, couldn't speak hardly English, but he had the front cover of the Gold Coast Bulletin where my face was, and he asked for me to sign it. And that's when reality really hit for me. I'm just going, I mean, I can't even go to a back dingy area. I mean, you know, I walked out, walked up to Cavill Avenue. In the middle of Cavill Avenue, I fell on the floor and had a nervous breakdown at 20 years of age, mm. crying like a baby. Uh, scripture that, that I know now, Scripture says, what does a prophet a man if he gains the whole world but in the process loses his soul? And for me, you know, everyone wants the fame, but when you get there, you're lonely. Um, everyone thinks, you know, they just want to knock you off. Um, who are you? And you can't go anywhere. And this was a day without social media, you know, so I would hate to have been it in today's It'd society. It'd be off the charts now. Off the charts. And I sat there for 45 minutes crying like a baby. And um, and that started me asking, man, who am I? Who am I? What what am I doing? This is, this is absolutely ridiculous. And all I wanted to do was to escape. That's all I wanted to do. So I, I went home after that and planned because my apprenticeship was finishing three or four months after that. I'm going to go overseas and I'm going to just get away for 18 months and travel everywhere and just get away from here. And that, that's the sad process is that I worked so hard, hours and hours of practicing to get to that stage and I just wanted to get away from it. Mm. And it was just way too much. And the drugs weren't answering my girlfriend wasn't answering. My parents, dad was trying to stay with me. He was crying with me at times. And I, I just couldn't function within myself. It was just way too hard. A little like working so hard to climb a ladder yeah. to get to the top and realise you're actually up against the wrong wall. Exactly. It, it, was, it was, for me, something I never, ever, ever want to feel again. Never want to feel again. It was, I just literally felt like the whole world was just looking with its eyes on me. And it was something that I just... And so for me, when I see stars and I see celebrities and how they fall in their pit, I really have a heart for that because I, I can see how hard it would be and I wouldn't do mm. that. Even like pastors and things like that, you know, that they, they get all this platform and then all of a sudden something happens in their life and people just always, you know, criticise that. But I know the pressure. Yeah. It's pretty hard. Yeah. I love sailing under the radar now. <laughs> <laughs> so in this journey of searching yeah. for meaning and, and you know, to yeah. wanting to escape and get away from yeah. it, 
Where did God come into the equation? Yeah. Okay. So I got on a plane, went to uh, England, worked there for about six months as a cocktail barman, and then went over to Germany to fulfill a job over there. And I'd be given a job. I went out of my apprenticeship into a demi-chef position running a banqueting department of one of the biggest hotels in Germany. And that's like second from the top out of my apprenticeship, you know, because of the skills that I had. And and every day in Germany – I would catch the U-Bahn or the, the, the subway, you know what I mean? And as I walked down the stairs of this U-Bahn, like my, my, sorry, I'll back it up. My parents were Catholics. So I was brought up in a Catholic church. Yep. I got sacked from being an altar boy because I got busted drinking the holy wine in between <laughs> the services. So that wasn't working for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so and so now I was on this semi journey, and I'd, I'd go to church once in a while, and that that'd be just about it with Dad, you know. Um, but I'd go down to Bond, and there was this one girl who had this "Jesus loves you" sign written in English in Germany at the bottom of the escalator, and every time I would go to go to work, no joke, she would stare at me with these daggers, man, out of her eyes, honestly. And it was just like, is this for me? And it started this prompting, you know, because I, I, I knew what it was. I knew Jesus. I knew who he was and what it was for my life. And it started this process. My life sort of spun out a little bit more because I got into the party life and that overseas and stuff like that. But then I ended up returning back to Australia after about 18 months, took up a job at Century at um, Sheridan Mirage. And in the midst of being in a relationship, I met this other girl and it was a complete mess. My life was a mess in that sense. I started seeing her on the side, you know what I mean, while I've got this other girlfriend. And anyway, the other girlfriend found out. Then I ended up going with this new girl. And after about three months, she started telling me how she wants to go back to church. She'd been into either outreach for church or reach out church. She didn't know what it was all about. And she goes, I, I want to go back to church. She's been brought up Lutheran her whole life, but it got saved in an outreach for Christ church. It was, we found her later. And so she said one day, hey, you want to you wanna go to church? You know, and I, I thought, hey, yeah, we could. Okay. We could. And that's, and that's sort of how it was. In the midst of that, I'd had a roommate who was uh, a Christian, and I, I wasn't a Christian, but he was, and he, he took me bushwalking once, and I started appreciating flora and fauna and stuff like that. And so God was always working on me, even though I was half the time oblivious to it. Yeah. You know? But he was doing something in me because I wasn't happy with myself. You're listening to The Story. Today, world champion chef Mark Kuyavar is sharing his story and how even though he had reached the height of culinary success, he was still feeling empty inside. We'll find out how he finally finds fulfilment when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with more of Phil Edwards chatting with world champion chef Mark Kuyava, who's sharing his story. As we heard before the break, Mark had tremendous success at the Chef Olympics in Germany, winning three gold medals. However, that success did not translate to a fulfilled life, and he was left searching for answers. It was then that his girlfriend at the time suggested going to church. Yeah, so she actually said one day, hey, I want... I want to go back to church. And I went, well, okay, I'll check that out, you know. And so she said, I think it was 
I don't know if it was outreach for Christ or reach out for Christ. Anyway, so we opened up the yellow pages because that's what you did in those days, you know. And um, and there was an ad thing and added in there for reach out for Christ Carrara with Dr. Steve Ryder down there. She's I think that's the kind of church we went to. Anyway, so we ended up rocking in that day, and um, Steve Ryder was speaking, and I don't know what he spoke. He could speak about pots and pans for all I know. I remember they asked took took up an offering, and I went, oh, "Here you go, you want your money, you want your <laughs> yeah. money." And that reminded me because I used to, as a young kid, always watch the Thunderbirds in the morning, and just before that. You'd have um, uh, Jesus, uh, Kenneth Copeland okay. would be on, and I'd always flick on the Thunderbirds, and then I'd always get Jesus is Lord before it went into Thunderbirds. You know yeah, what I mean right. in the mornings, and it reminded me of that. I mean, oh, it's one of these guys who want your money, kind of stuff. And um, he made an altar call, and my girlfriend at that stage, she goes, um, "Hey, I'm going to go down the front and give my heart to the Lord." And I went, "Oh," she goes, "Do you want to come down?" I went, "Oh, okay." It's good for you. It's good for me. Like, seriously, I didn't know what I was doing. And I walked down the front, uh, and there was about 25 people getting saved that day in church, and he started praying for people at the other end doing salvation prayer. And I got through a couple of people, and I was watching them, and then, boom, lights went out for me. And I woke up about 35 minutes later. Church had finished. Everyone had gone except one guy beside me. And I opened up my eyes, and this dude just looked at me and said, man, do you want to talk about what just happened? And I hadn't even actually prayed the sinner's prayer. I just had an encounter with God, and I remember – getting off the floor, looking at myself. I was a Bon Jovi fan back then, and I had my ripped jeans and all that stuff. And I looked at it, and I said, I don't know what's happened on the inside, but I've got to change on the outside. I don't look any good. Living on a prayer. That's it, man, living on a prayer. <laughs> you got it, living on a prayer. And I don't know what happened. I just I just met the Lord. I, I see it in the scriptures. Paul had that road to Damascus encounter. Who are you, Lord? And that's what it was like for me. Mm-hmm. And... um you know, the first book I read was the book of Revelation and it actually made sense. So I don't know what had happened. Wow. Um, and I just had a hunger for the Lord and it wasn't too long after that. I was at church in the worship session and, you know, church was going on and, and God spoke in my heart. He said, one day you'll be doing what this guy's doing. He was preaching the word, you know, and, and I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't even know what a pastor was really in that sense. And so it was, wasn't too long after that, that that other girlfriend, we were on to being engaged and I called that all off and, um, I had a catering business and was doing chefing all around the Gold Coast, uh, you know, to the movie stars and all the greats and Peter Frampton, all makeup artists and all this kind of stuff, you know. I was on the verge of having my own TV show in the mornings, a good morning brekkie TV show. Yeah. Uh, that's before Jamie Oliver came along and stuff like that. I don't know if you remember Peter Russell. Peter Russell yeah, Clark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they so used to G'day. tour with him and stuff like that. So, yeah. So there was bits and pieces in all of that and uh, I ended up closing all that down Um and went to Bible college. Wow. That's, that's pretty dramatic change. It's dramatic change. It was dramatic change. And the, well, the, when I got saved, I think when I got baptized and there was this old lady, she's gone on to be with the Lord. In fact, her husband passed away just a few weeks ago as well. Um, Joe and Kathleen Turner, they uh, went to their house, old, an old couple, brilliant couple. They travel around, whatever, in another part of the church, and they baptized me. I remember in their spa bath, and she said, Mark, you've, God's saying you've served up food on plates for people, but God wants you to serve up the food of the kingdom of heaven into people's hearts. And that just sent me on the course of where I am today. And funny enough, in God's own, own humor of things, I have a beautiful wife now, lovely children, and he's he's asked me to pastor a church. I don't know how it's worked like this, but it is, and this is what it is, and this is the journey now. That's amazing. But uh, let's wrap your story up. Sure. You've, you've just, oh, I think it's quite incredible. You had this almost road to Damascus experience. Yeah. Uh, like Paul did. Yeah, very much. It was, 
I don't know, probably years and years of little seeds here and there. You know, even even when I was backpacking through Europe, I remember taking a train across from uh, Dover to Ostend on my way to Amsterdam. Everyone knows what happens in Amsterdam, so I was on my way over there for a party. And, um, you know, we got in really, really late, like at 2 o'clock in the morning into Ostend there, and um, my train wasn't leaving until 9 o'clock, so here I'm on the docks, you know what I mean? Most mm. undesirable place and dangerous place to be in. And nobody's there. It's train's gone, everything's gone. And so I got my backpack out, my sleeping bag, and I was underneath a, a, a chair or a bench, you know, that's in the train yep. station there. Yep. And I fell asleep. And it, to this day, it was one of the best sleeps I ever had. And I remember being woken up by this guy. He looked like, as they call him in UK, a dosser or a homeless person. Yep. I remember banging and tapping on my phone. He goes, hey, hey, is, uh, you want to catch a train? I think your train's here. And literally, I was under the, the chair, and all I did was roll over to get out of the out of the chair and look up and he'd gone and I just I just think these today that there was an angel looking after me mm. with, without a doubt because mm. there was nobody around yeah. no one around yeah. at all got on my train and went on to the things that I did but you know finding God in the journey of my life has you know put it on a trajectory that I never thought it would ever take me you know um, and doing what we do in the church and believing in people's lives and seeing them restored and bring hope. And that's Centro is a, is a church that brings hope to its community. And that's what we do. And so some people come, they're broken and then they end up moving on or doing whatever, but they're whole. Everyone's whole and healed and have their relationship right with the Lord, you know. And, and um, on that journey, I met my wife and it was so cool because my pastor said he gives me the right to take this girl out on a date who happened to be his youth leader at that time. Okay, okay. And um, and that was really, really cool to be able to do that. And uh, and now we've got two beautiful children, as I spoke earlier before, and, and in God's own humor, he has me pastoring a church. It's something that I'm, I know that God has said that, and he said that early in the piece in my heart, but how I ever got to this place, I really don't know. I'm so un- unqualified for this role. Um, I'm not educated. I struggle with reading, have dyslexia at times. Um, you know, when I was at school, I hated public speaking, you know, in classrooms that you'd read a text out of the book, you know, and so I would count how many students to get to my text <laughs> and to make sure I have it right because I just couldn't see the words right. And then they'd miss somebody and then I'd be all over the shop. And God healed that, you know, be able, me to be able to stand up in front of people and to talk like that and have confidence. Here being on the radio, this would be a nightmare for me before I got saved. But, you know, in, in, in the concept of where God was taking me in that journey, it's it's still my life is still being restored. And so to anyone that's listening to this story, you know, some of the parts, maybe you, you come out of drugs like what I did or maybe you have a, a broken relationship or maybe you're, you're brought up, you know, maybe even brought up in church and God is really not that real and you're, you're riding on the coattails of your parents' relationship with the Lord. You know, God loves you just the way you are, warts and all. You know, he loves fishing. He wants the whole fish, guts and all. He doesn't want some nice fillet like you get in a restaurant. He wants everything because he loves everything a part of you. And the beauty thing is when you come to a relationship with the Lord, he will take the stuff that you don't like and he'll give you his best. Mm. You know, it's it's not a fair trade. I tell you that. It's not a fair trade. It's 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 unjust to trade that, that Christ takes all the garbage, in a sense, of our lives, the hurt, the pain, the suffering, and replaces it with all that the kingdom of God is all about. But it's a process, isn't it? Because oh. it isn't this dramatic thing of all no. of a sudden you no. lose all the baggage. No. You have to actually have this process where God reveals to you over a period of time, now I want to deal with this thing and yeah. I want to deal with this thing and I want to deal with this thing. Yeah. Exactly. And I think sometimes we get frustrated with that because we we actually either want to change quickly, yeah, 
or we want other people who are around us to change quickly and yeah. then we're very quick to judge them. Correct, correct. You know, judge everybody by their actions but judge ourselves by our intentions, you know. We, we do that quite well, you know. Um, I I love that that process in God that he will – he will tickle those areas that need to be tickled when it's the right timing. Oh, what a great concept. You know what I mean? <laughs> he really will. He won't he won't he won't be like like us in out of anger trying to deal with somebody. Yeah. You know, God always comes to the table with like, okay, let's have a little discussion about that. I'm seeking to understand you, bro, and we're gonna change that in your life right now. Yeah. You know? So God's been awesome in my life. Yeah, let's just walk a while together and Yeah, exactly. We'll work or some things or out. like the footprints in the sand, he'll carry us. Yeah. He will carry yeah. us at times, most definitely. And my life's been carried a lot by him. Yeah. You know, and, and if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't be where I am today and the beautifulness of our kids. They're 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 in my life, I made a deal with God to go to Bible college and give it all the ways that I want. A, I want a great wife. I want to experience what fatherhood is like. I want to be debt free before you return. And so, they're fulfilled promises in my life now. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for sharing your story, mate. Pleasure, man. And there's so much more in it. But you no, know, to those that are listening, just just know if you reach out to God, He will He will love you and pick you up wherever you are. That was Mark Kuyavar, who's also known as the Pastor Chef sharing his story with Phil Edwards. As we heard, Mark is now the senior pastor at Centro Centre Church on the south side of Brisbane. And I think his life journey really reflects the truths found in this Bible verse. What does it benefit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? As we heard, he had gained the whole world of cooking success, but what did it benefit him if he was still feeling empty inside? Then, after putting his faith in Jesus, he found that he now has life and has it more abundantly. As it says in Psalm 23, Lord, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. I think that's a wonderful picture to dwell on as we end today. Piles of food and overflowing cups, and it's especially appropriate after hearing the story of the pastor chef. Well, if you'd like to find out more about Mark Kuyavar's church, the website is centrocenter.com. That's centrocenter.com.au. Thanks for joining us for The Pastor Chef's Story. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.